Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Isn't God good? When He came to this planet, He said, you know what? I'm just going to give you time I've worked. So <laughs> even when you're not a believer and you don't believe in God at all, you're still going to have time off work. And it's like, it's like you know, and, and God gives you a free will. I love God that He's so amazing like this. He gives you a free will. You can do whatever you want on that time. People do all sorts of stuff in the name of, you know, the fact that it's festivity. It's like time off work. Woo, a party, right? You know what they'll end up doing. So, but, but God gives you the freedom to do that. So it's, it's, it's a fun time of the year. Everyone's happy. There's Merry Christmas greetings everywhere. Presents. I mean, you know, some of the things I've heard, I mean, my son, Josiah, who works in um, retail, and he, the, the, the amount of just one shop, Rebel Shop, it's a big shop, but one, he manages it, one shop makes so much money just because of the Christmas week. I mean, that's just one shop. Imagine what we're spending because of the presents we buy for each other. Like, it's phenomenal. We don't realize, we don't see the big picture. When, in Australia, we're in a very wealthy nation. We're a very blessed country. But we just buy so many presents for each other to celebrate the fact that God this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. This is, this is what's so amazing about Christmas. Yes, we love the presents. I mean, I love the presents. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not much of a present type of person, but I still love it when I receive them. Who <laughs> knows? It's not my love language, but I still can enjoy it. And uh, especially when someone takes the time to, to find something that you know you need or you like, you know. But everyone loves presents. You know, it might not be in primary love language, but you're going to love it. And so the kids, I love the fact that our children love Christmas time. As the Christmas season comes along and presents, they're excited. And again, it's time with family. People take time off work. We get eat together. Who doesn't like Christmas for that? We get to eat some amazing food. And so um, that's all amazing stuff. But what is so amazing about Christmas is the fact that Almighty God, the creator of the universe. I don't know how, if we can really comprehend and understand how powerful God our Father is. The Bible says He just spoke and created the whole universe and everything that's material, He spoke it into existence. There are stars and galaxies and, and clusters of stars with the beauty of their colors. From a distance, you look at the cluster of stars and it's a butterfly. God just paints in the galaxy it looks like a butterfly, but they're stars. And he, there's a, clusters of stars and planets that look like an eye out in the universe. Just because God can paint with stars. He just uses the star. I mean, that's how phenomenal our God is, how powerful our God is. And yet God Almighty, the same God who could speak that into existence, became a human being. That is what's so amazing about Christmas. The reality that God didn't send somebody else to save us. He didn't send somebody else to redeem us and buy us back to himself. He, he didn't send a servant. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send, he's actually, I believe, he put on flesh. It was God in Christ that was reconciling, bringing the world back to himself. The word reconcile is to bring us back to himself. God was in Christ. You know, I, I do believe Jesus was divine. He was fully God. And he was fully man. We need to understand that. Yes, he's the son of God. But Jesus didn't operate as a man. So he didn't operate as God. 
he released and let go of the privilege of being God, even though he came from God, like he was God. Uh, Philippians tells us he emptied himself of the privilege of being God and became a man. And when, when we're talking about he became a man, he became a full-fledged man, a full-fledged human, even though he's still divine. He's still the son of God. You know, when I just explained a bit of the story behind Christmas, that when the angel Gabriel showed up to Mary and announced to her that she's the one that was chosen to bring the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. You know, in those days, they knew Scripture. They knew Old Testament Scripture. They knew Scriptures like, for unto us a child will be born. Unto us a son will be given. That word us is personal. God's giving humanity unto us. He belongs to you because he became you. He became a human, became a man. He represented mankind. He, became, he identified himself totally with us. Unto us a son was given. Unto us a, son, a child will be born. And it says the government shall be on his shoulders. He will be everlasting father. Now he talks about his divinity. He's a son. He's a child. He's born like unto us. But he's also everlasting father. He's also the prince of peace. The Prince of Peace. Peace is such a powerful thing. When Gabriel, in all his glory as an angel, showed up to Mary, even though Mary knew a lot of the Old Testament Scriptures, there's, there's Scriptures in Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet wrote so many Messianic prophecies. 800 years before Jesus was even born, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus. And Isaiah describes the birth. I mean, the, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child. How does a virgin remain a virgin and conceive? That's really what the scripture is saying. A virgin shall conceive. She's still a virgin, but she conceived. It, so when Gabriel comes to her, you're going you're gonna to bear, the, you're going to have the savior of the world. You're going to carry God in the flesh. And she says, how can this be? I don't even know a man. I haven't been intimate with a man. I don't know a man. And the Gabriel, angel Gabriel says, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the highest will make you pregnant and the child that will be born in you will be holy and he'll be great and the bible says his name shall be jesus the word jesus means salvation god is our salvation yeshua in hebrew literally to them it sounds like salvation his name shall be salvation because he shall save his people from their sins that's the whole purpose of god becoming a human imagine that god himself came to save us to redeem us from our sins. I thank God I don't have to stand before God in my, with my righteousness because I've got nothing to give Him. I know that and I believe that with all my heart. I don't stand before God because I've been a, a preacher or a pastor for 28 years. That's got nothing to do with my righteousness or your righteousness of your good works. It's all got to do with what God did in His love and in His mercy, sending His pure Son, die on the cross in my place. That's the reality of the mercy and the grace of God. A virgin shall conceive. So, so, so Mary knew a lot of scriptures. That the children of God knew a lot of uh, scriptures, like the Israelites. They knew the Messiah was coming. They were waiting. They were expecting. They were can't wait. They are believing. They are trusting. They didn't know how he was going to come or which way, who was going to be chosen. And when, out of all the women, God chose Mary. Because she was holy. She was devoted before God. She, she, she was someone that loved God. She, I think she had a pure heart. I think that she was so innocent in her love for God. And, and, and then God, out of all the women that she could have chosen, she stood out and God chose her. And 
God used the eggs of a woman, but he did not use the seed of a man. Very, very important. Eggs of a woman, it could come through an egg of a woman and still be holy because he didn't have the seed of man. There's a number of reasons for that, but Old Testament scriptures, there's there's about 10 different scriptures that talk about that God will visit the sins of the fathers, the fathers, not the mothers, the sins of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation. So women, you've got a scriptural basis to blame your, the fathers for your children's uh, behavior. There's something about the seed of man. I don't know. You've got some biblical backing there. But there's something about the seed of man. God says, I'll visit the sins of the third and fourth. Now, when you come to Christ, that thing gets broken. So don't think, oh, but my dad, he doesn't know God. So therefore, no, that, that thing is broken. My dad, my dad didn't know Christ. It's broken. His sins aren't visiting mine because I've got a seed of Christ now. I've accepted Christ, broke that generational curse, and now Christ in me is regenerating the righteousness of God. Amen? That's good news. It's really good news. But I love the fact, scientifically proven, the woman that bears a child, the blood in the baby does not mix with the blood in the mother. The mom's giving life through its umbilical cord and, and nutrition, and all that, but the bloods don't mix. I believe it's because the blood comes from the Father. I believe that with all my heart. And some of you don't think, oh, that's not scientifically proven. But when you get to heaven, you'll find out it's, it's proven. <laughs> We're smart, but we're not that smart. Like, like, I really believe with all my heart, it's only when the sperm hits the egg, because Jesus didn't have the seed of man. The Holy Spirit sperm. God himself. He truly was the Son of God. Truly. So when he was immaculately conceived, the seed of God didn't have fallen contaminant. Because I believe when the sperm hits the egg, that's when the, the blood starts. That's when the life, life is in the blood. That's when the life comes, the seed of man. But this was the seed of God. He didn't have a physical father. So when Jesus was born, he was sinless. His blood was pure. Without any contamination, fallen bloodline from Adam. If he had the seed of man, the fallen bloodline from Adam would have come into him. He would have been sinful and he couldn't pay for our sins. But the fact that he was sinless, he could pay for our sins. That's why the the whole message is supposed to be good news. Because God's saying, you can't get to me. Religion is all the rules and regulations of what we need to do to get to God. Do this, do that, don't do that, don't do this, don't touch that, don't do that, don't say that, don't do that, pray this way, pray this way, do that, do keep this rule, keep this rule. It's all what we've created to get to God because of our sinfulness, our emptiness. We know we're without God, so let's create, thousands of them, by the way, let's create religion to get to God. But Christianity is He came to us. God became a human. Man, that's good news. I know it sounds like to you, but to me it's good news. Because I know not just that he was born and lived a life. He didn't live for himself. Jesus did not live his holy, pure life without sin for himself. He didn't need to die for his own sins. He died for your sin, my sin. That's why it's good news. He took our place on the cross. He paid my penalty. I deserve to go on the cross. But he said, I'll go for you. I love you so much. I'll take the penalty. I'll take the judgment. I'll consume the judgment of Almighty God. He's a holy God. And God, in His holiness, cannot just say, come into heaven in your sinfulness. Because heaven won't be heaven if you stay in your sins. That's why Jesus says a man must be born again or he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to have a change of heart. Your spirit that is spiritually dead has to get resurrected and come to God. 
dead spirit. I was born in my sin. I had a, a dead spirit. I had a spirit, but a dead to God. Didn't have a relationship with God. But when I came to Christ at the age of 19, my spirit that was dead came to life. How? By the Word of God. The Word was the seed. It germinated in my heart, which is the ground. The water being the Holy Spirit germinated it and brought life to my spirit so that I could walk with Him. And it's all about relationship. God empowers us to have relationship. Because if Christ did not die on the cross, we remain in our sins and we try to, in our own strength, our own ability, our own self-righteousness, our own good works, if I'm only good enough, if I do this, if, I, if I'm good enough, then God will forgive me. That is, it's actually quite grieving to God when we try in our own good works to try to get to Him. Because it'll be like your kids or my kids coming to me, Dad, what do I have to do so you can love me? I feel insulted if my kid came up to me and says, what do I have to do so you can love me? You don't have to do anything. I love you because you're my son. I love you because you're my daughter. It's like saying they have to earn my love. They have to be good enough. If they're good enough, then I will love them. It's like, how good do you have to be to be loved by God? How perfect do you have to be? Well, God knew that none of us could be perfect in our own righteousness. We couldn't do it. He says, you can't do it. God knows you can't do it in your spiritually dead state. So I'll become a human. I will put on flesh. And I will take your place. I will die for your sins. That's good news. And it's not to die for your sins so you can do whatever you want in your sins. No way. It's not to give you a license to empower you. Oh, now you go live a sinful life and still be forgiven. No, it's the love that motivates you to want to love God back. It's God, I want to love you back because you so love me. It's not religion when you want to love God. When you're in love with Him because He's in love with you, it's not religion. It's a relationship. Very, very important to understand that. When I, when I study this, you know, like uh, God is amazing because God became a human. And you know, when every time you sign a, a check or write the date or write a letter and put the date on it or, or pay a bill, put the date on it. I don't know. Every time you say 25th of the 12th, 2018, you're saying that the, it's the Lord God came to this planet. Whether you believe in God or not believe in God, believe in religion or not believe in religion, and have, have an atheist, no matter what, you're still stating that the Lord God came here. You know the word BC is before Christ. But the word AD is not after death. AD is not after death because if it was after death, then we lost 33 years. But AD is a Latin word, Anno Domini. It's AD, Anno Domini. Literally means the year of our Lord. Anno is year. Year of our Lord. So every time you sign the date, you're saying the year of the Lord that came. It's 2018 years, 2018 years of the year of the Lord since He came. Every year is the year of the Lord because the Lord came to our planet. God Himself became a human. In Hebrews, I just want to read in, in the Message Bible, it really opens this up. It's just so clear. Listen to this. Since the children, that's you and I, are made of flesh and blood. You made of flesh and blood? I am. Flesh and blood? It's logical that the Savior, Jesus himself, the Messiah, the Son of God, took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, that's what Jesus did on the cross, taken into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. Whether you realize it or not, one of the things that is the greatest fear is the fear of death, fear of dying. Fear is a powerful thing, but the fear of death is the... So I'm scared to death of death. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, the way the Message Bible brings it out. It's, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. Jesus didn't come to, to this earth 
become a man and die on the cross for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham, that's you and I. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, that's what he did. He would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help those where help was needed. He became a man. And he could feel the infirmity of our feelings. He, he feels the pain of what we go through because he was tempted in every single manner just like you were. And when, I, lo- I love the fact that when he, was there, when he was in the garden, this is the day before he was um, going to be betrayed. And he knew, he made sure it all happened. Jesus was not surprised by it. He, was, he actually gave up his life. He laid down his life. He, even at the supper, he goes, Judas, what you have to do, go do, do, it, go do it quickly. He almost initiated it. Because he knew Judas was going to betray him. He was already, already in play. And you know, he's, he even dips the food and feeds Judas. It's a love act to feed your friend, to leave. And this is the one that's, that's going to betray him. And he, and he feeds him. The one that dips with me in the, in, in the dip, he goes, that's the one who's going to betray me. And Judas gets freaked out. And he, and he goes, what do you have to do? Go do it. And so he went and did it. And Jesus, when he went to the garden to pray, this is the, this is the most... Um, this is the finest hour. This is the climate, climate of all climax. This is the event of all ages. This is the climax of history. When we get to heaven, we're going to be able to probably watch it on video. I was going to say DVD or video, DVD. Now it's going to be on, on, on airplay. I don't know. But it'll, it'll be up there. You'll be able to see these scenes. I, I believe it with all my heart. God will be able to let us see what he really went through. And he says, my soul, he told Peter, James, and John, pray with me. Stay here. He goes a, throw, a, a stone's throw away, falls on his knees falls on his face. The Bible says, he goes, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, grieving, even to the point of death. That's a vulnerable thing to say to your, your friends. Telling them, I'm, uh, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. What was he? Af- He's not afraid of dying. He wasn't even afraid of the pain. I'm telling you, he was not. He knew what he was going to become. He was going to become the sin of the world. It wasn't they were going to scourge him, they were going to pluck his beard, they were going to bash him, or thorns on his head, they are going to, you know, all those things. It wasn't that, that oh, I'm afraid of that. He knew he's going to become, he's a sacrifice for sin. He's going to become the sin of the world. God had to leave him. If he was fully God, how could he die on the cross? That's why he emptied himself of the privilege of being God and he became a human in all manners. Spirit, soul, and body. A human being has spirit, soul, and body. Jesus complete human, spirit, soul, and body. And he goes, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. And he goes, Father, if it's possible, if there's another way to redeem mankind, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Take this cup of suffering away. If there's another way to redeem all of humanity, anything's possible with you. He goes, nevertheless, not what I will. That's the pressure that he was going through. If there's another way to do it, show me. But nevertheless, not what I'm thinking. My will, your will be done. And he submitted. He had humbled himself. Even an angel, the Bible says an angel appeared and strengthened him in this darkest hour. He sweated and, and his caliparies and, and the sweat glands burst with blood and blood poured out. Poured out with sweat because of the pressure. It actually can happen. The pressure of stress can actually break your sweat glands and your blood can actually burst and go into the sweat and, bl- and you sweat blood. That's what Jesus went through. With strong tears, the Bible says in Hebrews, he cried out to God in that time of need. 
And then he arose strong and victorious. When the angel strengthened him, he just he knew my, day, my time is up. And when Judas betrays his friend, do you, friend, do you betray me with a kiss? He called him a friend. The one that's betraying him. Friend, you, you betray me with a kiss. But the power that he had to lay down his life on that cross, the Bible's very clear. Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on the cross. He didn't commit sin. He became sin. The Bible says that we might become, we didn't commit the righteousness, but we become righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ. An exchange took place on the cross. Jesus took off his pure white robe of righteousness and put on our filthy rags of righteousness on the cross because he became sin. And on that cross, at one point, as the, the blood was draining for six hours and the sun was beating on him and his, his nails in his hands and his feet and he's being bashed and he's, and he's draining of life, he, he allowed that to happen. And then at one point he says, My God, with a loud voice, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I'm trusting that you are going to resurrect me even though I become sin. Because he was righteous. He never sinned. So what, the, what God did, he tricked the devil. The devil didn't know what was happening. You know, the devil doesn't know everything. And the devil does an illegal act by putting death on a man who did not deserve to die. Jesus was sinless, without sin. It's the wages of sin that brings death. When we sin, the results, consequences is death. It means the death to the presence of God, death to life. You lose life. Jesus never ever sinned, so he didn't have any right to die. He, he had no, Satan had no legal right to put death on a man who never sinned. So when Jesus opens up his spirit and says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He breathed his last. With a loud voice. Another, he's in control. Most of those people, I mean, everyone dies slowly. And they get less and less strength, less and less. Hours and hours. It's designed for days to die of suffering. And the centurion saw him die. He goes, truly, he beat at his breast. Truly, this is the son of God. Just the way he died. I believe his heart ruptured. Broke because of the sin that was put upon him. But that's not, that's not it. That, was, that, that is, what's the word I'm trying to find? That is horrendous. But that's not the worst of it. Because the Bible says his spirit became sin. Sin is a spiritual problem, not a physical problem. Physical death can't take care of a spiritual problem. Jesus' spirit, soul and body, his spirit literally dies, literally becomes separate from God and inherits a sinful nature. Satanic demons take his spirit. His body's still on the cross. Take him to hell for three days and three nights. I personally, when you get to heaven, look into the eyes of Jesus and ask him, Jesus, did you suffer for three days and three nights for me? Separate from God. I believe yes. It's I believe. And and you can look into his eyes and say, Jesus, did you was it just a physical death or did you go to hell and for three days and three nights suffer the most tormentous death, spiritual death you can ever imagine? And the, the victorious thing is, because Jesus knew that after three days and three nights, I'm going to rise again. He told everyone. The, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that the glory of the Father, the powerful glory, power of God, comes down from heaven into hell to Jesus' spirit with all the demons all around him. They thought they got him. They thought, we got you now. Ha! We killed the Son of God. He was healing everybody, raising people from the dead. Crowds were going after him. If we didn't get rid of him, the whole world was going to believe in him. They, they really got full of jealousy and anger, or the religious leaders, that's who it was. And they wanted to kill him. And so Satan must have thought, I got him now. Got the Son of God in the grave, in the hell. 
but the glory of God raised his spirit back to life. I believe the glory exploded into his spirit, resurrects him. Then he goes straight to Satan, give me the keys of death and hell. Takes it straight off him. Goes into his body that's in the cave with the stone rolled in there. He goes into the body and resurrects. That's when he took his grave clothes off. The Bible says he, this is freaky, the Bible says he folded the napkin. You know, the time after being resurrected, went to hell, saved all of humanity, and he still was so organized just to fold that. I'd, I'd go, I'm back. Woo! I just saved humanity. And he's uh, this the composure of the Son of God. And he's resurrected. It still doesn't stop there. I've, I've run out of time. I've really got the time has gone down. Because in Hebrews chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, read it for yourself. It's so clear. I don't know why people don't preach about it more because I think, God, that's so precious. Because he goes, don't touch me. When, when the women were there, Peter, Peter was there, don't touch me. And he goes, I must ascend to your father, my father, your God. I love how he personalized it. Your God and my God. I must ascend to him. And the Bible says in Hebrews that not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, he went to the very holy of holies in heaven. Not the holy of holies made with hands. That's the one that we, we, we Moses built as a replica of the real one. But the real one in heaven. Jesus went there with his blood in his veins as a man representing humanity. God became a human and he pours out his blood at the altar in heaven. And all the blood, I believe all of it went out and God glorified him. And a man is seated on the throne right now, Jesus, as the Son of God, but as God in the flesh. If you believe in Him, you'll have eternal life. Not works, not religion, not good things, but just put your faith completely in the love and the mercy and the grace of God demonstrated at the cross. All your sins, no matter what you've done, forgiven, cleansed, washed. That's the relationship that God offers. He offers Himself to all of us. It says, if you put your faith in Christ, you're totally forgiven. And I don't know how you can, if you can't see this, I pray that you can see this. To me, it's so clear. It really is. It's, to me, it's just like black and white. It's so clear that I said, God, no human being could have thought this plan up. No human being could have thought this up. It's too full of God. Because why? God in His wisdom and in His love, He wants you to love Him back because you love Him. It frees you to say, God, you loved me so much. You committed yourself to me. I give myself to you. He redeemed us. The word redeem means, you know, when you say, the word deem has to do with value. When you say, how much is that deemed to be worth? How much is that valued? How much are you willing to pay for it is really what something is valued for. So you are so valuable to God. He, he was willing to pay the ultimate price. To buy you back. Why we bought back? Because we were once belonged to God. Adam and Eve. We were once fully gods. We fell and the enemy took over. And now Jesus came to buy us back. But you have a free will. I have a free will. All this good news means nothing if you stand before God without Christ. Do you know that? It's not an automatic salvation. It's not an automatic, I'm forgiven because he died on the cross. I can live any way I want. No, it's submitting yourself to the lordship of God, but it's a beautiful lordship. We're talking about the, the, the bestest. I want to use that word. Please let me use it. The bestest God ever. 
Nathan Nikotra writes all the, na- all the words that I coin in a book. He's just making a dictionary. But anyway. He loves you so dearly. So dearly. God told Hosea, a prophet, go find a prostitute. Marry her. A prostitute. I mean, if I was the prophet, why a prostitute? He'd buy her. He paid for her and married her. God was trying to show the children of Israel, the children of God, something. He says, marry her. And then he married her. They're in love. They're married. And now they have three children. She gives him three children. And the Bible says she went back to her lifestyle. She went back into prostitution. Now God says, don't go buy her. Just go get your wife and go love her. So he had to go back because God told him to. Go back. And the word there is redeem. He took her back to himself for his wife. And then the God said, tell the children of Israel, that's how you treat me. What you're just feeling. I mean, it's easy. It's easy story. But it's hard to live through that. If my wife, God forbid, did that. To take her back after she's gone. Prostituting. This is what Hosea had to do. And God says, you know what? That's how you are to me. And the good news is this. Even though we've done that to God. I've done that to God. Even though I've done that to God. Not prostitution. <laughs> Excuse me. But we're all backslidden in our hearts to some degree. Come on. No human being has never ever not backslidden. We all sort of retreated at times and just grown cold and somehow in our hearts of hearts gone back a little bit. And the good news is, God said, Hosea, go get her. God's saying, that's how I am like. I go get him in that muck. I'm after you. I bring you back. Isn't God good? Let's pray. We're going to pray, but I'm going to also give you an opportunity to say yes to him. So I believe there's people in this room and people that listening to this message that need to say yes to Jesus and just say, yes, I'm, I'm. maybe you're coming back to it. Maybe you're saying, God, I, I drifted. My heart got a little bit cold. My heart got distracted. The world took a hold of me like that prostitute was allowed, uh, went back in. She got attracted by that again somehow. But God's saying, just come back because he's the one that goes after you. He went after us when he left heaven to die on the cross. That's his pursuit of, of man. God became a human and took on the fight for us, paid the price. So if the people in this room that need to say yes to Jesus for the very, very first time, maybe you've never really said yes, or maybe you have said yes, and that's awesome, then you just want to follow Him all the days of your life. You want to grow. You want to become more like Jesus. You want to be a disciple. I just want to ask you to, I want to pray a prayer for you. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, but I just want you to say yes to him by putting your hand up. Say, Leah, pray for me to accept Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. It might be the first time, or it might be just coming back home. It's a beautiful thing. It's a precious thing. You want to say yes to him? Just slip your hand up. We're going to pray. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Just say yes to him. I rejoice if everyone in this room is saying, is already walking with him. That's fantastic. But you know what? We've got to keep giving the opportunity. Don't stand before God without Christ's clothing, without your wedding garments. You, only you can say, yes, I know that I'm following Jesus the best way I know how. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're following. Anybody else just want to pray that prayer? I'm going to pray with you. It's a powerful thing. Beautiful thing. 
Thank you, Jesus. Can we repeat this prayer together? Let's just support everyone in this room. So, Father God, I come to you as a sinner, but I believe with all my heart that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin in my place to forgive me, to wash me clean, and to give me salvation. I thank you, Lord. I turn away from my sin and I give you my life, give you my heart. I make you Lord. I make you Savior. I will follow you the best way I know how all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.